You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, it's Tuesday, and the good Lord above only knows where this man's going to go this week. Uh, are we going to be in a mine shaft? Or are we going to get shot off a stagecoach? Or are we going to be chasing what? I don't know. You're going to find out. Okay, go ahead. So, but first, a few listeners. Mm-hmm. I want to thank. I want to thank Jeff, who suggested that I do a story on Bass Reeves. Uh, Matt, who actually is a relative of Jim Bridger. No kidding. Yeah. Where from? Uh, he's, you know, I'm not sure where he lives now, but uh, he, his family thinks they're related to Jim Bridger. Really? Yeah. And then Bob, he suggested we do a show on guns, which I've been working on. And then Lynn in Germany, you know, you make fun of me, Zeb. Because I, I have never. Because. Well, maybe once in a while. You give me a hard time when I say dang. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of some other words. Yeah. Well, Lynn in Germany found that the word dang is used a lot in the southern states. So there you have it. Well, go dang it. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, last week I got a phone call from uh, Ray Bagby. Bagby. Super guy. And he, I went out there, and he gave me this book, of which I'm going to take a story out of today. Throw down, Throw the, down box. the box. Treasure Tales from Gilmer and Salisbury, the Western Stagecoach King. And did, I'm, did you ever meet a guy that knows more about oh, the Old West than stagecoaches? That guy is sharp. You have got to go out to his place, Zeb, sometime. He's got a hearse that he built from the ground up. It's beautiful. The I woodwork. just hope he doesn't make me use it. Yeah. <laughs> And he's, he built a stagecoach that is immaculate. Yeah, it is. I got a picture right here on my yeah. desk. Anyway, so this story is uh, for Ray and his partner, Richard. Yes. Uh, and I found some things in this book that I had never heard before about the City of Rocks. Oh, really? Now, I've only known of about two uh, uh, robberies that took place in the City of Rocks. But going through this, uh, there's more. And so I'm going to talk about uh, some of those uh, as much time as we have. So uh, for our listeners out there, the City of Rocks is located in Cajun County, just west of the little town of Almo, Idaho. So if you look on a map, it's right kind of s- right on the middle of southern uh, Idaho, right, right down right. Uh, south of the Snake River. But, uh, you know, it was a landmark well-known to the earliest frontiersmen, from the fur trappers of the Hudson's Bay Company to the American mountain men. It was kind of the dividing point on the gold uh, on the California and the Oregon trails uh, as they decided whether to go to Oregon or go on the California so, trail. So can I ask a question here? Sure. The trail and or road that goes out of, um, of Elmo... Uh-huh. And goes up to the and through the city of Rocks. Right. Is that the original? That's the trail? road. Yes, it is. it is. Yes, and it yep. goes down through Oakley. 
No. Oh. Uh, well, uh, no. The California Trail isn't, continue- isn't there a cutoff road though? There is. That'll take you over to Oakley. But yeah. if you continue on the California Trail, you go. You keep going south. You don't go through Oakley on the California Trail. You got to get my directions over by Lind. Uh, yeah, sort of. I see. Kind of that direction. Sort of, okay. Yeah. So, anyway, the City of Rocks was also well known to the early explorers and settlers as the place where the Indians held their annual sun dance, which was actually a religious festival which lasted for three days and night. And near the northeast section of the City of Rocks formation, there is a well-worn circle where this secret rite was held. Oh. Now, I have never seen it, but I'm going to see if I can find that. But anyway, it was sometimes shown on early maps as Rock City or Circle City and Pyramid City, but the name City is kind of a misnomer because there really is no city there. I mean, the City of Rocks is a place avoided by white men until the Fort Hall Wagon Road was built across it. And of course, with the discovery of gold at the Boise Basin, John Haley built a stage road to Salt Lake, uh, to Salt Lake City. And at first, a lot of the uh, Gilmer and Salisbury's stagecoach stations were really just places rather than real habitations. They were just a spot, you know. And at best, offering passengers the comfort of a one-room log cabin and at times only a dugout. And home stations were few and far between when the road was first put into use. Their main home stations being at the City of Rocks and King Hill. But if a traveler wasn't too particular, he might find some beans and bacon or biscuits and salt pork at uh, Tom Oakley's Ranch or at Clark's Ferry. Now, here's a quote from Mark Twain in his book called Roughing It. Here's what he described about a frontier stage station. Quote, the roof was so low you could rest your elbows on its eaves, and you had to bend over to get in the door. For a window, there was a square hole, but there was no glass in it. There was no floor, just hard-packed earth. There were no shelves, cupboards, or closets, and no stove, but only a fireplace. There were no, no chairs, nor had there ever been any, but they were represented by a pine bench and two empty candle boxes. The table was a greasy board on stilts. The tablecloth and napkins hadn't arrived yet, nor were they expected to. (laughs) Outside the door, there was a tin wash basin on the ground. Near it was a pail of water and a piece of yellow soap. And from the eaves hung the remains of a blue woolen shirt, but it was the station keeper's private towel, which no one else could use. In one corner... Sounds like they stayed at a very cheap hotel. (laughs) In a corner of the shack stood an open sack of flour, and leaning against it, a little bag of salt and a side of bacon. We gave up on the breakfast, but had to pay one dollar each anyway. (laughs) You know, what about the people that traveled during those days? I mean, eating that kind of food might make them sick, and they might end up with all kinds of problems. You know, I would almost bet that there are some people that just took their own beef jerky or pemmican or something to eat Pretty on the way. hard to wheel a six-horse uh, stage into a Wendy's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, there's probably no place in the West where more lost stagecoach loot is alleged to be hidden than the City of Rocks. Really? Yeah. And I I did not know this until, uh, so I appreciate Ray giving this book. Now, one of the largest outlaw caches hidden at the City of Rocks resulted from a robbery at the Gilmer and Salisbury stage on June 18th, 1876. Wow. 
Joe Tuttle was the driver. He was carrying a treasure box heavy with refined gold from the mills at Boise Basin. So he was coming from Boise this direction. Okay, the other way. So, wh- so he was headed they, to Utah. Where, would they, where would they go through the hills up here? Uh, well, they would go out past Oakley and uh, through the city of Rock, oh, gotcha, that direction. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway, his stage was robbed. Uh, actually, a little farther. I didn't go far enough. He, his stage was robbed near the head of Raft River. And the headwaters of the Raft River are actually in Utah, and there are two narrows. The stage was robbed at what they call the lower nar- narrows. Now, the treasure box was so heavy it couldn't be lift, lifted by one man, but had to be dumped over the side of the coach. There was no gunfire, nor were any of the passengers robbed. When the box was dropped to the ground, Tuttle was allowed to continue. So he continued on to Stravel. Do you know where Stravel is? Yeah, I do. So for our listeners, Stravel is between the little town of Malta and Snowville. Right. About halfway in. There's really nothing there anymore. Just look for the high-rise hotels. Yes. And there is actually an old hotel out there. There is, yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, that was the nearest place where a posse could be organized. Well... Eight men rode back to the holdup site and found where a pack animal had been hidden behind some rocks. Tracks revealed that two trips had been required to move the heavy treasure deep into the city of rocks. But the trail was lost on the rocky ground and the deep sand. Now, reports soon circulated that the gold taken was valued at, get this, $144,000 That was back in, in 1876. Yeah, so what at least 10 times. What would that be like today? I was going to check that, but at least 10 times, 8, 10 times that, wow. don't you think? Yeah. But uh, anyway, the amount had been insured by Wells Fargo. And they pay and paid by the insurance company. And why the treasure coach was not better protected? You know, why didn't they send some guards? Whoever? There was just a driver? Yeah, just the driver and maybe some passengers. Yeah. So, you know, if you were sending that much, wouldn't you try to have a escort? I'd have at least a shotgun guard. Yeah. And maybe they did have a shotgun, but it doesn't mention it. Yeah. Well, several weeks after the robbery, suspicious fell on a guy by the name of Jim Looney, a freighter and sometimes petty crook. Upon his arrest, it was discovered that Looney had several gold pocket watches with other people's names inscribed on them, as well as two tobacco tins filled with gold dust that he could not account for. I see. The watches were traced to other stagecoach robberies, so Looney was sent to prison, all the time denying any knowledge of of the robbery at the Raft River Narrows. Now, Looney was sick. He wasn't feeling good before he was arrested, and he died in prison not long after he was put in prison. Now, was that in Boise? Uh, it, doesn't Boise? Say, it doesn't say where he uh, went to prison. I see. But the search for the missing gold didn't end with Looney's death, because shortly afterwards, a suspicious character was observed prowling around the rocks where the posse had lost Looney's trail I see. over in the city of Rocks. Well, they found out that the stranger was Looney's brother, and that he had a letter written by Looney, obviously smuggled out of prison. Really? So he was looking. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, the letter indicated that Looney knew he was dying and wanted his brother to get the treasure. Well, in the letter, he said that the gold was cached in a place where the names, quote, L.L. Day and H.P. Lowell, 1847, were cut into a huge rock. So pioneers, you know, they always, a yeah. lot of them would yeah. write their names. And so those two names were cut into a big rock. Now, the instructions directed Looney's brother to, quote, follow straight north from the names to the mouth of a wind-worn cave, 
where the gold would be found buried under several feet of sand. Okay, No time was lost starting the search, but the described names were never found. He couldn't couldn't find those names okay really um so anyway uh others actually looked for it as well and strangely during the search of a wind-worn cave uh that was found one of them uh evidently there's a number of these wind-worn caves up there uh, up in that area have you been there and seen some of that yeah oh yeah we've i've hiked around that whole area and camped in there uh, yeah but uh in one of those caves was found uh, an ancient-looking copper kettle half full of old gold coins. The coins dated back long before the holdup of the stage. In another shallow cave, a skeleton, an old flintlock rifle, and several rusted beaver traps were discovered. And this only kind of added to the mystery of, you know, of the, uh, the city of rocks. So did they ever find no. out who the guy was that... That died? Yeah. No, the skeleton? No. So... Evidently, uh, you know, with this old copper pot full of gold coins, that makes me think Spanish, uh, Spanish gold or mm. something. But who knows? Anyway, now here we go. A couple of years later, during the early summer of 1878, uh, a Gilmer and Salisbury stage was on its way from Boise to Kelton. And it was robbed just east of the Goose Creek relay, sta- relay station. Two bandits took a treasure box containing 90000 in gold. Wow. Now, this was all in bullion bars being shipped from the mines at Boise Basin. So, have you ever lifted a bullion bar, Zeb? They're not light. No. Uh, I have lifted... You can grab one like this and end up on your knees. Yeah, it's, they are heavy. They're heavy. So... Anyway, uh, I was going to. Uh, fr- it was from the mines. Anyway, the stage driver turned his stage around after the robbery and returned to Tom Oakley's ranch, which is over in Oakley, where several cowboys were pressed into a posse duty. The trail of the two bandits led into the city of rocks, and the tracks were lost again on the soft, sandy ground, and the posse split up. Okay, two of Oakley's cowboys came upon the outlaws unexpectedly in an out-of-the-way place near what some now call Treasure Rock. Really? A gunfight erupted, and one of the outlaws was killed, the other being captured, and was taken back to Oakley's Ranch. Now, an attempt was made to backtrack the outlaws from where they were surprised back to the hold-up location, but the hard rock, the lava, just hid their trail too well. They they really could not find it. So there was two cowboys that... Went out and caught the other two guys. Right. Exactly. One was killed, and the other one they captured wow. and took back to Oakley. Well, so the man that was captured, he denied being involved in the stagecoach robbery, but a mask cut from a flour sack and an empty Wells Fargo money bag found in his saddlebags was enough evidence to convict him. He was sentenced to the Idaho Penitentiary for life, and while in prison, he finally figured, you know... Uh, I'm never going to be released. And so he started talking to one of his cellmates that the stagecoach loot was buried in the center of five cedar trees growing in the shape of a heart between Treasure Rock and Twin Sisters Rock. Now, when his cellmate had served his time and was released, he tried to find the gold, obviously the treasure. He finally located the formation the outlaw had called Twin Sisters Rock, which we all know. That's a very obvious one. We, you've been there, Zeb, mm-hmm. uh, so the Twin Sisters. But he had no idea which of the other hundreds of rocks the outlaw had called Treasure Rock. 
So, and I, I really don't know that there's one up there that is. There may be one that's called Treasure Rock, but it may not be the same one yeah. that this outlaw yeah. had had mentioned. So, if, if there was, and you knew of it, you wouldn't be here now. No, <laughs> you and I would be sitting on a beach uh, yeah. <laughs> somewhere warm. <Yeah. laughs> so, all we got to do is find Treasure Rock and five cedar trees growing in the shape of a heart. No, that should well the cedar trees. There's quite a few of those. And there's been a few fires. Yeah, go through the city. Yeah, that's of Rock. true too. Yeah. yeah. Now some say the fruits of two separate robberies are also hidden in the in city of rocks. Both holdups occurred north of Kelton, which Kelton was you know on the way uh, from Boise over to Utah. Right. So that was uh, where the train ended right over there. But anyway, uh, the outlaws making their getaway into the twist. Lava Rock of the City of Rocks on November 18, 1879. A guy named Bill Mays and W.H. Overholtz robbed a Gilmer and Salisbury stage along the Kelton Road, uh, taking an undisclosed amount of bullion from the treasure box, and they uh, fled into the mysterious maze of the City of Rocks. They played hide-and-seek with the posse until the first week in December when they were surrounded in a box canyon. Both were caught, captured and entered the Idaho Territory prison on January 22nd, 1880. Both were transferred to a federal prison prison at Albany, New York in June of 1881. How much of that uh, trail, if you will, uh, let's say from Salt Lake all the way over here to Kelton, etc., how much is still there? I've been to Kelton, and there's really nothing there. There's, I see. You know, there's just uh, there's nothing there really to see hardly. I know where there's place. one stage station that's uh, in crumbles, but do you know where there's others? Uh, well, there used to be one at the City of Rocks, and if you go over there, you can still kind of see the outline of the City of Rocks stage station. But when I was a kid, younger, there was you could actually see the log. Uh, Did cat. vandals go up and tear them no, apart? No, I, I just think weather and weather. decay. Yeah, I see. Yeah. So anyway, continuing with that uh, robbery, on the 3rd of January, 1881, the Kelton stage was robbed by Charlie Chambers, and like the other two guys, Mason Overholtz, he tried to hide in the City of Rocks, and like them, he was captured and sent to prison. Now, apparently, Chambers was a pretty tough guy because he escaped from prison on July 6, 1882, was recaptured, and escaped again on March 22, 1883. Who locked the door? <laughs> That's a good question. He fled to a place called Benicia, California. How do you spell it? B-E-N-I-C-I-A. Never heard of that. I haven't either. Uh, where on August 1st, he shot two city policemen who attempted to arrest him. Chambers was injured during the during the fight, captured, and entered the California State Prison on November 1st, 1883. And he served a term of 20 years. And there's no reason to believe that any of these robbers, Chambers, Mays, or Overholtz, ever returned to Idaho. So it's pretty safe to say that wherever they hid the the treasure in the city of Rock, it's still there. Still there. Yeah. So again, Zeb, I I had never heard of more robberies, and and I'm going to continue this because there's some more that I haven't gotten to uh, in the city of Rocks. But you can see this book uh, that I really appreciate Ray Bagby uh, getting this to me, and uh, again, what an amazing man! He is such a nice guy, he, and he gave me a tour. So knowledgeable. He gave me a tour through his uh, buildings, and. Uh, he showed me where he builds the uh, wagon wheels. 
And that is, uh, I don't know if you've ever wondered about that, but they take this wood, and I think it's about two inches thick by maybe three inches wide, something like that. They put it into a long pipe, and they steam it for, I want to say, about four hours. Then they pull that wooden piece out, and they uh, lay it on a flat piece of bendable metal, like heavy tin, and on each end of the tin, there's a hook. And they tie a, uh, put a chain on each end of that hook, and then they slowly bring that the ends together up against a form that is perfectly round. So they bring that up slowly, and it forms the half circle of a wagon wheel. Wow. Then, they, of course, they do it again. Then they put the two halves together, and then they put the metal rim over the wood. I was going to say, wow. So it's quite a process. I wonder, do you ever stop and think in history, whether it's back in Egyptian times or in the Wild West, whose mind came up with these ideas to do this? Exactly, exactly. And and, uh, Ray has a a huge old-fashioned lathe that he runs, and uh, he builds his own wagon wheels. Uh, again, he's the, one sharp cookie, and the the uh, the hearse that he built is just magnificent, just nice perfectly uh, perfect joints in the wood, and it, it's it's black. You know what we ought to do sometime is not just have a half hour, but invite Ray to come here oh. with you on the air. Oh yeah, Ray, wouldn't that be something? He is so knowledgeable. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. That was excellent. You had my complete attention through that whole thing. Well, there's he's got a bunch of stories in this book, and I'm going to be pulling stories out of that for a while. You outdid yourself. Thank you. And Ray Bagby, thank you very much.